Hallelujah. I didn't know whether I was going to be able to uh, do something after that presentation that uh, LaVarne did last week with her slides, etc. Had a, uh, a, f- a few pictures that I wanted to show, but we'll leave that at this point in time and uh, with the problems with the visuals are there. Just to share a little bit about my time in uh, Uganda, just a little bit of feedback for you before I share God's word to you this morning. I do thank you for your prayers as the, uh, we travelled there. It was a long journey, 26 hours of uh, travel. I had an eight-hour car drive once I arrived at the airport uh, at Entebbe, travelled via uh, Kenya. And so the journey was long, both going there and coming back quite tiring. Uh, but fortunately, the folks there didn't work me as hard as they usually do. Uh, when I get there. Uh, on the Sunday, for example, I went to the and spoke at a church, and uh, this time I got back from the church at 6, uh, 3.30 in the afternoon, rather than 7.30, which was the previous uh, occasion. And um, very often when you go out for a meal there, they like to take you, when you go out to speak, they get, take you out for a meal, and you never quite know what you're going to eat when you go to people's homes. And uh, I have had some experience of that in the past and just wondered what on earth I was eating and could I eat it. But uh, on this occasion, uh, I went to a a pastor's church that I knew. He used to do the uh, uh, translation for me uh, when we were speaking. Instead of giving me a meal afterwards, he gave me a whole bowl of fruit, about two and a half foot diameter, a bowl of fruit. Uh, bananas, big bunch of bananas, uh, a big pineapple, melons, pineapples, uh, the lot, it was just wonderful. And so we were eating fruit for the rest of the week while I was at the school, which was good for my internal systems and didn't have any problems this year at all with eating, which was wonderful. So thank you for that. The only extra thing that they gave me to do that I suddenly got called upon, they said, would you come and speak at an East African convention in in a nearby village? And so I said, when do you want me to come? They said, we'll let you know. Um, And so on the Tuesday, uh, while I was having lunch, I said, is there any news as to when I'm uh, due to speak? So they rang up and said, would you come this afternoon at two o'clock? We said, we'll never get there at two o'clock, but make it 2.30. so I'm, I get a lift to this nearby town, which is about half an hour's drive away. And we arrive in the town and the, the driver pulls over. Uh, and we do a visit. We're visiting a pastor's house on our way to this speaker. So we, we're spending half an hour or so at this pastor's house and you know, pleasantries of the day. And then we have to, I have to pray for the little girl there who's not well, maybe suffering from malaria or something. And then eventually we get back in the car. We've finished all our... Uh, discussions are pleasant reason we continue on to the other side of the town where this East African convention is taking place time is completely different when you're in, in Africa you know it starts when you arrive and it finishes when you go think that's what happens uh, over there but that was the only extra thing that I had to do I was teaching in the morning and speaking at this convention in, in, in the afternoon but really what I wanted to, to share with you particularly is that uh, you very generously as a church uh, gave me a gift to take over to the folks in uh, Tagamo uh, and um, I might have mentioned to you that when uh, School of Ministries that I went with first went to this area, the pastors in the churches did not speak to one another. Uh, they were not communicating, they didn't have anything to do with one another. I suspect it was because they didn't want to have people poaching their uh, congregation away from them to different churches because that's where they got their money. So they, they didn't speak to one another. Bringing the School of Ministries together and getting the pastors coming together Uh, they suddenly realised that they liked one another and they were really friends with one another and really enjoyed one another's company. And so after I left last year, the pastors got together and started setting up a resource centre for the town where instead of everybody trying to do their own little bit separately, they could have a place where resources could come in and they could share those resources among them. And they've started to do a school. I've got some pictures of uh, a school there which they're teaching English uh, and Swahili. And so uh, one week a month in the afternoons they're teaching English there. 
but I took, was able to take over a gift from the church and we were able to buy a computer, uh, a monitor, a computer and a keyboard and they're just over the world with that. They, they really wanted me to pass on their appreciation to this, uh, this computer which they feel they can get up and been doing things. I sent over, I took over some of Phil's books on deliverance and I took over some CDs and some other books about growing in Christ as well. So they're beginning to start and to build up this, this resource centre because people say that it will not happen. It can't happen, it doesn't work, there's lots of negative things going on. And now there is some visible proof. <laughs> there is a, a computer which is up and working and running uh, in their uh, resource centre at the beginning of something else. They want to build and develop and that. I'm hoping they'll also get a printer and they'll get connected to the internet, etc. But they're, they're feeling they've made a big step forward. They wanted to say thank you for your, uh, your gift and I really uh, appreciate it. And so we might hear some f further news from that later. Thank you for your prayers, for my health, for my self-keeping and the, the journey, which it could have been quite horrendous. Uh, on, certainly on one occasion when we were driving down there, traffic came to a standstill and we eventually found that there had been a lorry which had got its front wheel had got stuck in a big pothole in the middle of the road. The roads were just atrocious in some places and nothing was moving so we had to go around it in some way. Motorbikes were going up with a bank and trying to get round until the traffic could go through from both directions. So thank you for your safekeeping and for the fact that I was able to have a, a good trip there and the blessing. The, the people from uh, Tsangambo want to bless you and thank you for your gift to them. So God bless you real good on that. Thank you. I want to share with you this morning uh, uh, f about maturity. Maturity. See, over recent months, God has been saying to us, he's been saying, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? Do you see this new thing? Do you perceive what's going on? And when he was on here upon earth, Jesus spoke about bringing in new wine into new wineskins. He said, you don't pour new wine into old wineskins. New wine, the new thing that he's going to do, has got to be poured in to something new. And he's doing something new in our midst. He's doing a new thing with us here at Hope Community Church. He's been speaking to us about transformation, which requires a radical change of our minds, a change of our thinking. It's not so much about what we do, it's more about who we are and about our attitudes. It's changing our thinking. It's a call to repentance, and the Greek word in scripture for repentance is metanoia, and that's not so much as I said about what we do, but it's, uh, it's who we are. It's a change of mind, it's a change of our attitudes. Paul expounds on this when writing to the church in Corinth. He says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age. It's not the wisdom, the conventional wisdom of this age, but it's a wisdom to those who are mature in spirit. What Paul means is that Christ should dominate our thinking and we should no longer think as we used to think. Or as, other think, as others think. He says, we have the mind of Christ. We have Christ's mind in us. And later on in the same epistles, he says, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. But in your thinking, be adults. He wants us to grow up and become mature in our thinking. And this is why when he wrote to the Romans, he said that we needed to be conformed, changed in our mind, not to be conformed with the thinking of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So this is the sort of things that God has been speaking to us over the last six or nine months. And we have been looking at what this means to be an apostolic church, an apostolic house in particular. 
And we've been particularly looking at this as we've been considering Ephesians 4. You might want to turn to it in your hard copy of your Bibles, on your electronic versions, whatever you have in front of you. Ephesians 4, and in particular, verses 11 to 16. And we've been looking at these verses which speak of equipping or preparing each of us for acts of service or wisdom or ministry. God has provided us with some wonderful gifts of people with the sole purpose of equipping us or preparing us for works of service or ministry. And earlier this year we considered the body of Christ coming together in unity and each of us needing to be set or located in place. That word preparing is like a shoulder which has been dislocated and that God wants to relocate it again and set it in place and set it as it sh- so it works as it should be. And so we need to be set in place so that we work as we should be work and what we were prepared to do. We need to read our minds as a suggestion that this is only for certain people. This is for everybody. It's not, it's, there's not a special group of people this applies to. This work of ministry, this work of service, is not for a certain select group of people who've got some fancy title or some fancy name or have got a position or a certain age or a certain group. It's for everybody. I hope the message is getting through because I should repeat it a number of times. This is for all of us. We are all to be prepared. We are all to be set in place for works of ministry and for service. You may say to me, that's all right for those people who don't have to go to work. They're not engaged in business. They've not got a full-time job that I've got. They can be, it's all right for them. Or it's all right for those who've not got a lot of children to look after at home. This is for each one of us. This is for each one of us. We're all involved in this. And a month ago, as part of our preparations for this new thing, I spoke on preparedness. I encourage you to start practicing the one another's. And I said that one of the responsibilities that we have, those of us who are parents, is to prepare our children for adulthood. We are to be prepared for adulthood. That's what happens in the natural. And the same thing needs to happen in the spiritual. We need to be prepared for spiritual adulthood. We need to be prepared for maturity. Let's look at that again as we consider this more fully in this passage in Ephesians 4. Let me read it to you. If we start at verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip or to prepare his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every supported ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part plays its part. Each part plays its part. You see, though we may be born again, though we may become, we might have become a Christian, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. The world, the flesh, the devil, are all around us and they're all trying to rob us of the abundant life that Jesus came to give. The devil came to kill and destroy and to steal. That is his function. He wants to come and take it away. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and I've come to give you abundant life. 
The abundant life that Jesus wants is there. It's available. He's given it to us. But the devil has come to take it away, to kill and destroy it and to steal it. But he's given us these wonderful gifts Jesus has mentioned in this passage to help us in our Christian life. We are to be equipped for ministry. And all Christians are to be involved in this. We're all to be involved in this action. We're all to be involved in active Christian service. And the goal of this ministry is what was contained in this scripture. It's for the whole Christian community to understand and experience the Christian faith more deeply and to gain a deeper knowledge of God's Son. It's all about knowing God more and more. The more we know God, the more we know Jesus, the more we will be like him. So you see, in this way, believers will become mature in the Lord. And what is that mature in the Lord? What is the standard of maturity? The standard of maturity is that we would, each one of us, should become like Jesus Christ. That is the goal. That is what he's aiming for. That is the maturity that we're talking about. The maturity that we're to grow up into is that we should become like Jesus. More and more like Jesus. It's Christ himself that is the standard. That is the goal of our maturity. The Greek word for mature used in this uh, passage means finished or complete or perfect. Complete, perfect or finished. But in the following verse, Paul tells us that we're not to be like infants. That's infantiles, childish. We're not to be childish people. We're to be grown up. We're to become mature. And the word is the complete opposite of mature. So we've got maturity on one side and we've got childishness or being infantile on the other side. Over the past six months, I must confess that I have been very saddened by some of the childish attitude that I've seen from people in this church. It's deeply saddened me from the childishness that's happened and I, from people that I thought were much more mature. I was very tempted at this stage to start giving examples of what has been happening particularly over the last six months, until I realised that when you started pointing the finger, there's three fingers pointing back at me. And I had to repent of my wrong attitudes and ask God for forgiveness. And so I asked the Holy Spirit, why don't you convict these people of their attitudes? And so if you're thinking that I'm speaking about you this morning, don't take it up with me afterwards. Take it up with the Holy Spirit. God doesn't want us any longer to be like children. This is what this passage is saying. He doesn't want us any longer to be like children in knowledge. He doesn't want us to be weak in faith, inconsistent in our judgments, easily yielding to temptation, and being easily deceived. You see, in our... In our childishness, we come, to, we come to God with our demands and we tell him what to do. We tell him this is our desires and we must have them. Almost insisting upon them. And when he, it doesn't happen, we're virtually telling God that if he doesn't give us what we want, then we won't like him anymore. We'll have nothing to do with him. We're not interested in him. You see, you must know children are more interested in themselves. It's all about self, self, self. What happens to me? all the time. That's a sign of childishness. It's all what happens to them. When they're a baby, it is all about self. They're helpless. They're, they're dependent on their mums for everything, to look after them for protection, for food, etc. But as they grow up, we've got to teach our children, it's not, the world doesn't revolve around you anymore. There are other people in the world. It's not all about you. So you need to grow up. People need to grow up from this childishness. 
See, children think that the world revolves around them. Uh, and they get very upset when, they, when it doesn't happen. They're more interested in themselves than other people. It's just a sign of their immaturity. They don't get told something, they don't get something that they wanted, they don't receive something, and they get very angry. You know the, t- the, the, uh, the two-year-olds, the tantrums they have? Oh no, it's not fair, it's not fair! It's a two-year-old having a tantrum. And so many of us are like that. Oh, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. It's oh. <laughs> childishness. You see, children want quick results. They want things immediately. They can't wait. But as you get older, you realise that things don't come to you and don't happen that quickly. Romans 5 and verses 3 and 4 talks about suffering produces patience. And some translations put it, this suffering, this leads to patience, leads to maturity of character. The patience leads to maturity of character. And sometimes having to wait for things makes us grow up a little bit. So we're not to be like children, just reaching out quickly and violently and superficially and taking things that we want all the time. There has to be a depth into us which brings about patience and maturity, a steadfastness. There needs to be some, something solid about our lives, a maturity of character. See, we need to have spiritual maturity. And many Christians have an inadequate view of what the Christian life is all about, the true nature of the Christian life. And this may be due to some part that something that's built into them, some sort of instinct which is in them, an instinct for safety and self-preservation. But you notice how frequently the New Testament writers write to the different churches that they're responsible for. And they're reprimanding them. They're reprimanding the people to whom they were writing because they were remaining babes in Christ. They were remaining and being still babies and children. They were not progressing. They were not growing up. They were not going on to this perfection that we were called to be. And so they had to warn them of the dangers that they faced in this respect. The dangers of staying as children. How many times did your parents say to you, why don't you just grow up? Or was it just me? <laughs> why don't you grow up? I can, I can remember hearing that, even now, saying that to, to my parents saying that to me. Why don't you just grow up? It, it was, I just feel like saying this at some times now. Why don't they people just grow up? And this is what so many of the writers, Paul, Peter, John, were saying to the people around by them. Why don't you grow up? Why don't you become more and more like Christ? Why don't you develop that maturity? The kingdom of God is all about maturity. There's a spiritual depth and maturity in the kingdom of God. And it's very often it's demonstrated through united prayer, devotion to the study of God's word, generous sharing of possessions, etc. And being part of community together rather than being an isolation situation. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's courage during persecution as well. Boldness and witness, lots of things. However, Hebrews 6 and verse 1 tells us that we need to move on from some of these basic teachings. We need to grow up. We need to develop. We need to become mature in our understanding. You see, there's there's no criticism in people being children. The writer to the Hebrews is not criticising his readers for being children. He's criticising them for staying as children 
to stay in his babies. The criticism is not that they are babies, but the criticism is that they stayed his babies. And so we, don't let us get confused. If we're new in the faith, we're new Christ in the Lord, God bless you. But let's not stay like that. Let's grow up. Let's move on. Let's move into maturity and come into adulthood and become more and more like Christ. Repenting and faith are the basic foundations that initiate a person into the life of Christ. And these provide the same basic foundations and postures for the Christian life as we develop it. We need to have faith and we need to repent of the old things, the childish ways, and to move into the new and each member of the body of Christ has got a role to play. It's an important role to play. If you read this scripture as we look at it in Ephesians 4, it talks about each one of us being involved. Each one of us has got an important role. Each one of us is involved in helping the others to play their part and to help them to grow up. Christ is the head of the body. Christ works through the individual parts and makes them fit together, yes. And he is the ultimate source of our spiritual growth. But he uses other people in that process. God could do it all by himself if he wanted to. He could help us to grow and mature and he, he, he wouldn't need other people. But he has chosen to use us, each one of us, individually, as part of that process to help us grow up. It's part of God's divine choice. He uses the church. He uses each one of us as individuals to help in that process of growing up. It says, when all the believers are ministering effectively, the whole body will be healthy and growing and full of love. When each one of us is ministering effectively, then the whole body will be effective and healthy and growing up. All of us are involved in this process. You are involved in this process. You are needed. I can't grow properly if you're not playing your part. That's what this is saying, in effect. So we can't opt out of this. Each one of us has got an important role, not only as we grow up individually, but in helping other people to grow up. Paul, when writing to the church in Colossus, tells them, he, that's Christ, holds the whole body together with its, old, with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. And so I hope you're beginning to understand how important you are to everyone here. You're important. Each individual is important to everybody here. And how love is the most important factor in Christian growth. Everybody needs to be involved. Don't opt out, please. Please don't opt out. You're vital for the growth that we're looking at. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 11 says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away ways of childhood behind me. Childish reckoning, speaking, should be naturally replaced with maturity. And here Paul is declaring and is saying, I am determined. I am determined to put away childish things. I am determined that I will not be governed by childish attitudes in future. And we need to do the same. We need to take a definite attitude and a definite approach to say we are going to put away the childish thoughts, our childish attitudes, and we will walk and move on to maturity. Paul went right into the Christians in Ephesus and praying that they might fully know the love of God. It says the purpose of all this is that you may be filled to the fullness of God. You see the continual emphasis that we need to be filled to the fullness of God. That is the, that is the goal. That is the, that's what we're trying to aim for, to be filled with the fullness of God. We need to be topped up so that we're so full of God that when something 
irritates us, when something nudges us, when something bumps into us, instead of us coming out, our selfishness coming out, something of God bursts out. Can you imagine a sponge which is so full of water that you, just as soon as you touch it and press it, water comes out. This, that's to be like us. We need to be so full of God that as anybody touches us or pushes us or knocks us or anything, what comes out is Christ because we're full, full of God. We're full of fullness of Christ. As we get to know Christ, we find this fullness. It's all about knowing him. It's only in him that we can brought, be brought to this fullness. And if we haven't received this fullness, why not? What are we lacking? What are we doing about it? In scripture, in Galatians 6 and verses 7 and 8, Paul talks about a farmer. I think this is a wonderful illustration. How can we grow? How can we mature? How can we become perfect? And he uses the illustration of a farmer. He said the farmer can't grow anything. All the farmer does is provide the right conditions to enable the crop, the grain, the seed, whatever it is, to grow. He says in this uh, passage, a man reaps what he sows, and whatever he sows to please their flesh or sinful nature, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. The Father is helpless to grow anything. Farmers can't grow anything at all. They can't grow crops. All they can do is to provide the conditions and they cultivate the ground. They plant the seed. They water it. But it's nature that makes the plants grow. It's not the farmer that makes the plants grow. And that's what we need to do. We need to provide the conditions to enable that spiritual growth to take place. And some people say this, might, this could be the spiritual disciplines. We could talk about spiritual discipline. Doing the spiritual disciplines will not cause you to grow. All the spiritual disciplines do is to provide the conditions by which the Holy Spirit can make you grow. So just by reading your Bible, just by coming to church, just by praying, that doesn't automatically cause this spiritual growth to take place. It just provides the conditions by which the Holy Spirit can help you to grow. We prepare ourselves by reading the Word of God. We water our spirits by prayer. We remove the things in our lives which cause us to sin. And it's the Spirit who causes us to grow. We provide the conditions and the Holy Spirit causes us to grow. But we need to provide those conditions. If the pharmacist was to do nothing, is to sit back on his tractor and go running around the streets or the field and do nothing else, then the crops wouldn't grow. He's got to provide those conditions to allow the crops to grow. And the same way applies to us. We need to provide the conditions by which the Holy Spirit can cause us to grow. And God guides us in all sorts of different ways. Through common sense, circumstances. He might use scriptures, uses other people sometimes. But the main ways that God uses us to grow are through the Holy Spirit and prayer and scriptures. I shared this with the folks, some of the pastors in Uganda, and talked about when I was a little boy. And there was one pastor sitting in the front there who said, Dave, were you ever a little boy? <laughs> I said to him, I'm growing up to be a little boy, and when I have arrived there, I'll let you know. But I said, when I was a little boy, I remember singing a song. Some of you may have come across this. Uh, and I started singing it. Read your Bible and pray every day if you want to grow. Yeah. Right. To our, my amazement, these Ugandan pastors, they knew it. And they started singing it. 
Not only that, but they did the actions as well, which I forgot about. <laughs> Read your Bible and pray every day if you want to grow. If you want, is that right? I mean, yes, yes, yeah. If you want to grow, if you want, read your Bible and pray every day if you want to grow. So if you want to grow, read your Bible and pray every day. But doing that doesn't automatically mean that you grow. It does provide the conditions that you are to, uh, which will allow the Holy Spirit to enable you to grow. See, it's not about our ministry. It's not about what we do that's all important. It's who we are. It's, it's who we carry. It's who we have inside us. It's the Holy Spirit. We're meant to be carriers of the presence of God. We're, we're meant to be people where God dwells with inside us. In the Old Testament, Jacob had a, a dream. And he says, this is no other. He woke up in the morning and said, this is no other than the place of God. This is the gateway to heaven. He suddenly realized that there was a gateway to heaven between heaven and earth. And that's where he was. That's who he was. This gateway is us. We are to be the gateway, the conduit of heaven upon earth. Do you see yourself as a gateway between heaven and earth? Do you see that ongoing process of heaven coming down through you into the world? God's working his purposes out through people like you and I. That growth and maturity. It's an ongoing thing. We don't suddenly wake up one morning and say, wow, I'm perfect. I'm mature. I've arrived. I've got there. It's an ongoing journey. We're all part of that ongoing journey of maturity. But we're looking into the face of Jesus because that's who we are going to be. And we're changed from one degree of glory to another. And suddenly when we see Jesus, when we can come face to face with God, then we shall know what he's like because we will be like him. We will be like Jesus. Maturity is an ongoing process. We haven't arrived. We're all on that journey of becoming mature. And in James 4 verse 1, we're told that the testing of our faith is to produce perseverance and the finished work of perseverance is to make us more and more mature, complete, and not lacking anything. We're not lacking anything. You remember in the uh, uh, first few chapters of Genesis, and in particular in chapter 1, it says six times at the creation of the world that God said everything that he made was good. The days of creation, it was good. And when he came to making man, he said, it was very good. But then when we move from chapter 1 and move into chapter 2, it says, God says that it wasn't good. You think, oh, it wasn't good for man to be alone. It wasn't good for man to be alone. He needed someone to be there, to make him, to complete, to complement him. That's what the word's all about. To make him complete or to complement him. And so he created Eve. And so the two of them together brought about that completeness to allow them to demonstrate and to represent what God was like. Because God is about relationship. God is three persons. And there was no one with Adam to bring that relationship thing and so Adam had to have Eve, or Eve was made for Adam. And so often we, re we don't realise that we're not complete. The word there, the, the word for helper, that's used in scripture, we sometimes think it's, oh, Ad, uh, Eve was there just to, 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 as a helpmeet. I think that was, that's the word in the old uh, authorised version, he was the helpmeet. Uh, and we do it in a derogatory term. Particularly if you're not careful, us, us men sometimes think of the women as our helpmeets and some. But it's used of God elsewhere in Scripture. It's used for someone who can make complete. The word, the word is somewhat, it's a lifesaver. That's another meaning of the word. Eve was a lifesaver to Adam. 
God is a lifesaver to us. And you and I need one another to make us complete. You are lifesavers. Have you ever thought yourself, you're a lifesaver? You're there to make other people complete. A lifesaver. We need others. We need one another. I need you to help me make me complete. You are my lifesaver. Do you realise how important you are? Do you realise what an important part you have to play in this fellowship? How important you are to one another. You see in Genesis 2 and verses 19 to 20, God says to Adam, why don't you, why don't you name the animals and the birds and so forth? Lovely way God is working with people. Rather than telling people that, telling Adam that he was incomplete, he said, why don't you look at the, the birds and the animals and whatnot, and why don't you name them? And while Adam was doing that, he realised that each of the animals had a mate. And it, I just, in my mind, I think, he suddenly realised on him that he was incomplete. And he needed someone else. When he saw all the animals and the birds were their mates, he realised, they've all got a mate, but I haven't got a mate. But he didn't demand it, he didn't ask it, but God gave him a helpmate. He gave him a lifesaver. He failed to realise that that's up to that point in time what he was missing. And so often we fail to realise what we're missing. We may have not realised that we needed one another in this fellowship. We needed one another. Just like Adam didn't realise that he needed to have Eve. We haven't perhaps realised that we need one another. We think we can do things on our own. We can do things on our independently. No man is an island. We don't hide away like a monk somewhere in a monastery all by ourselves, a hermit. We're part of a fellowship and we need one another. Not just on a Sunday, but at every day of the week. We fail to realise how incomplete or how immature we are until God reveals our inadequacies to us. See, as someone who is a, a teacher of God's word, uh, my goal is to, is to seek to teach and correct everyone with all the wisdom that God has given me. My desire is that each one of you should, would be able to present yourselves to God as being perfect or mature in your relationship with Christ. That's my role as a teacher, to help you to become mature in Christ. One of my favourite scriptures has been that uh, Romans 8:28 about all things work together for good to those that love God. We really believe it with some of the things that Ruth and I have been through, as you know, in these days. But it goes on to say in verse 29 that those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. <laughs> the whole point in all that happens in our lives is that we should be conformed to the image of his son. That's the goal, that's the level, that's the, what we're aiming for, that's the maturity that we're talking about, that we should be like Jesus. You remember those little bands, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus be like? What does Jesus be like for me or in my life? The sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is to make us more and more like Jesus. This is not a physical likeness. Don't fear you've got to grow up to have a beard and long hair and wear sandals or anything like that. This is a spiritual transformation. This is an internal transformation which is taking place. It's an internal change which we're talking about. It says, all men will know that you are my disciples because you love one another. And a key factor of our Christian life is that we are being transformed into his likeness. When you look back and you think, how much more like Christ am I now than I was when I first became a Christian? When we see him, we should discover 
that we are like him. God's aim is that we should become like his son. That's the standard of maturity that we're talking about. That's the level, that's the goal. That's our aim to become like Christ. That's the level of maturity that we're looking for. The transforming work of the Holy Spirit is to make people more and more like Christ. And these gifts, these abilities, these ministries are all part of that process of making us more and more like Christ. In conclusion, in his book, A Passion for Jesus, Mike Bickle runs High Hop in the Kansas City, says that sanctification and transformation come from beholding, not from striving. Let me say that again. Sanctification and transformation come from beholding and not from striving. It's not what you do that's the key factor here. It's who your focus is upon. It says that as we gaze with unveiled faces and look upon the Lord's glory, we become more and more like Christ. It's gazing and looking and making our focus upon Jesus. I might have said this to you before, that some of us have got our focuses on other things and we are being changed like those other things. I'm just amazed how some married couples start to grow and look more and more like one another as time goes on. I'm also amazed that some people who put all their focus and attention on their dogs or their cats uh, seem to look more and more like their dogs and their cats uh, at this stage. What we focus on, we tend to become more and more like. It says Mo when Moses was in the presence of God, that his face shone with the glory of God. And sadly, you know, there are, there are many Christians today. They've received the forgiveness of sin, but no one's told their faces about it. <laughs> They've received forgiveness of sin, but no one has told their faces that they have. It's only when we look into the face of God, we perceive the face of God and whose image we are made, that we will know who we are and the one for whom we were made. Only when we truly catch a fresh glimpse of God that we're changed into his likeness. And this is the progressive process. And it's one of the reasons why we must spend more time in his presence. Today we remember Pentecost. Amen. We celebrate Pentecost today. That was the day when the early Christian church first started to grow up. You remember they were hiding away. They were hiding away in the upper room. And suddenly a mighty wind came and blew. And it changed them from being... A flat balloon. They grew up. The wind of the spirit came inside them. And blew inside them. And suddenly the balloon changed a little bit. There was a maturity. There was a growth. They became grown up. The wind of the Spirit came. They changed. They changed from what they were into what they should be when God's Spirit came in and blew in them. We need to find the Spirit of God coming inside us. We need to get out of our little rooms. We need to be getting away from the hiding places that we're in. We need to be changed from flat balloons and we need to grow up into mature into the body of Christ that we were meant to be. When I was in Uganda, 
there was a little face that came round to the side of the church. And what they were doing, the little boys were there and they were going... We need to be filled with the Spirit of God this morning, beloved. We need to be filled up. We need to know the Spirit of God inside us. We need to be filled with God deep down inside. See, we've got a lot of children amongst us. (laughs) 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 Calm down, calm down. We need to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. And if you really, if, if, if following this service, if you feel that you would like prayer, that someone has touched you this morning regarding maturity and growing up and you need to have prayer or you need to have prayer for healing, as we were talking about, there'll be a group of people over here um, to one side just willing to pray. If you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to make this a special day, this was the, this was the day that we remember the church growing up and becoming mature becoming filled with the Holy Spirit to move away from being like a flat balloon and to be filled this is what balloons were meant to be like they're not meant to be like that they're meant to be filled with the fullness of God and that's what we're meant to be so don't stay as a flat balloon come and get blown up by the Holy Spirit not blown up (laughs) with a big with a big Come, come and be filled Come and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I ask the worship team to come up? And uh, as they're coming up, let's let, let's stand and let's pray.